But you know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. afraid of failing. That's what we think it is. We think we're afraid to be failures. We're not afraid to fail. We're afraid to succeed because succeeding means I've got to show up when I don't feel like it. I've got to be ready when I don't feel like being ready. I have to do the thing when I don't feel like doing it or when I don't feel like I'm good enough to do it. I have to be ready to do it. Hey, welcome to Everyone's Talking Money. I am your host, Shauna Game, and it is so good to have you here. If you're new, welcome to the show. If you are a regular, welcome back, my friend. I have been so excited to bring you this episode. Talk about an episode about relationship with money <laughs> and a money story that is just going to blow you away. What choice do you make when the numbers don't make sense? Do you give up? Or do you get to work? Our guest, Mignon Francois, she is a self-made Black female entrepreneur who beat all of the odds and turned her very last $5, the only way she could feed her family, into a multi-million dollar cupcake empire. Mignon's story is superpowering, yes, but more than anything is an example of how you can take a skill that you might take for granted, like making cupcakes, and change everything financially for you and generations to come. 
So in this episode, we talk about Mignon's practical steps to turn your talent into financial freedom, what to do when you are stuck in chronic money stress, how to find the courage to try something different, and tips to launch a profitable business with one of your talents. Her story and message, I know, it's just going to blow you away because it has stuck with me since I had this conversation with her. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you if you are looking for one-on-one money coaching to help you get in a better relationship with money yourself and reach your goals, I'd like to invite you to work with me exclusively and come up with your plan for financial freedom. I am opening up four spots each month, so you can sign up for the waitlist at etmpod.link slash moneycoaching, or just head to the link in the show notes to grab an open spot. All right, let's start talking. Mignon, welcome to Everyone's Talking Money. I am so thrilled to have with you. You Let me say that again. Mignon, welcome to Everyone's Talking Money. I am so thrilled to have you with us, and your story just really inspires me. I know it's going to inspire so many other listeners, so thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be talking about money. I think it's funny that I get to be an expert in some ways about money, especially with my relationship in the past. With money. Well, the beauty is that you are not alone. I, I tell everyone, we all have a very messed up and and um, tricky relationship with money. And so I think the beauty of it is being able to share how similar we all are in in our thoughts and feelings and the things that really like hang us up. And, you know, I I wanted to start at this point in your story. You are a mom of six, which is a brave thing just in that. <laughs> but you were in somewhere around $67,000 in debt when you decided to turn your side hustle and making cupcakes into financial freedom for your family. And we're going to dive into yeah. that that whole story but before we do you know i think the thing with debt and the thing that i i think is so important to talk about with debt is it it's a very lonely isolating experience um i've worked with you know tons of people when i was a practicing financial planner and everyone would have you know some level of like shame and embarrassment and just fear of really um letting other people know that they were in in debt Tell me a little bit about like the the thoughts and feelings and it, kind of what was going on for you emotionally, you know, during this this time period. Yeah. So we were about sixty seven thousand dollars in debt, but that didn't include the include the house we were losing. So we were losing our house at the same time too. So that's more like material debt or credit card debt and student loan debt and that sort of thing. And I felt like we were never going to be able to have what everybody else had. For me, I just wanted field trip money for my children. And I was tired of being sick and tired. And the revelation I came to is you could be one or the other, but you just can't be both. Right. You know, when my when I started listening to a man on the radio who was telling people they could get out of debt by having a bake sale or garage sale, problem with the garage sale was. I sold everything I had to get to Nashville in the first place. And the problem with the bake sale was I didn't know how to bake, not even out of a box. But I had these two awesome daughters who were baking every day that I thought I could sell whatever they could make at night after school during the daytime. Problem with that is we didn't have electricity on a regular basis and running water coming out of the sink just because we willed, willed it to. And a lot of times 
I would just be sitting in my house doing those, you know, day-to-day responsibilities as a stay-at-home mom, and then the lights would go out. It's like, dang, you know, we could never seem to get ahead. So this was, this was a true, like feeling choked out and feeling like you never could get it right. And that you just weren't ever going to have the things that everybody else had. And I was just tired of trying to run after something and to always fall short and never have enough. I think that's something that. I mean, first, thank you for your honesty. I, I think it, your story is something that a lot of people can can relate to in in varying degrees. You know, what would you want somebody who's listening right now, who's really in that that place of of pain, feeling like you know they just can't catch a break? What would you What would you want them to know? I want them to know that my story is not unique. That I'm not a unicorn. That there's nothing special about this story. The questions that you have to ask yourself need to change. They're not why me, it's what next and how. I want them to know that all you have is all you need to get you from where you are to where you want to be. I thought that I needed some big commercial kitchen, a commercial location. There are cottage laws in many states that will allow you to start these businesses right on the inside of your home. So the question becomes, what do you have in your house? Not necessarily your four walls, but what's in your wheelhouse? What is your what, what is in your sphere of influence? What is in your capabilities that you can use, that you can use and activate right now without a lot of income to get you from where you are to where you want to be? For me, it was flour, butter, sugar, and eggs. For me, it was about getting the ingredients from the grocery store to put with the ingredients I may have already had to go and say, would you be willing to pay me for this service? Somebody has the ability to type. Somebody has the gift of words that they can use to help someone. My daughter-in-law used to make money in high school writing papers. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it's just it's it's like the thing that you that you already love to do or the thing that feels so natural to you like why would somebody pay me to do this thing that that and i i know specifically around like cooking and baking i love to cook and i love to bake and people always are complimenting me on on meals and and my own cupcakes and i just always am thinking it, it, sometimes the the answer you're looking for is is right there in in front of you you just have the courage to you know chase after it and i think that's what's so interesting about your story too i you you've shared this on many different podcast episodes um and on your tv interviews but you had you had 5 dollars left and a neighbor came over and asked you to make you know some astronomical 600 cupcakes and uh you know that really was sort of the fuel b- behind you but you know, I think the the crazy thing I heard you talk about this on a, a podcast episode it was that you didn't even know how to bake. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, how did you how did you think? Okay, I can do this. Like, I can make this six hundred cupcakes, and like this might turn into something. Yeah, yeah, because I was watching other people get onto that same radio show and scream, "We're debt free," and I had listened to them do crazy amounts of money in months or in under a year or in under five years. And I thought, surely 
this can happen for me too. And so I think it's an indication of looking to your left and looking to your right and seeing other people do it. It's an indicator that you can have it too. If you see somebody else being it, doing it, having it, you can be it, do it, and have it too. There's nothing so unique about them except they were willing to ask themselves the hard questions and then show up every day to it. Because I believe we're not afraid of failing. That's what we think it is. We think we're afraid to be failures. We're not afraid to fail. We're afraid to succeed. Because succeeding means I've got to show up when I don't feel like it. I've got to be ready when I don't feel like being ready. I have to do the thing when I don't feel like doing it or when I don't feel like I'm good enough to do it. I have to be ready to do it. And I think the fa- the fear of success is what's driving more of us from not showing up to our own lives. That really hits home for me. I know that I, there's so many things that I've start and stopped over my lifetime. I When I was a very young girl, they I was very gifted at swimming and they were trying to, you know, groom me to basically go to the Olympics. And I, I was little, I'm talking, you know, three, four, five. And I just remembered that feeling so overwhelming to me that what if I couldn't be that good? And so I would, I would end up quitting. I did the same thing. I was a gifted tennis player. I did the same thing where, you know, I, I walked away from that. But my realization in adulthood was that really my fear was the success and you know would i would i be able to handle that would my family be able to handle that and and it's so interesting that we think it's fear but it's really the success piece that we kind of get so hung up on i'm also thinking too how do you feel about the role of you know social media in the last you know 10 plus years where we tend to only see the success story of someone so we see them paying off the debt we see them rocket launching their business um we see them buying the house and getting the car and all of those things that that we that we long for um specifically around money and the goals that we have but we don't see all of the steps in between we don't see the struggle or the sacrifice or whatever it might be and i think it's it's training us maybe to look at life through a, through a lens that is that is not so healthy for us yeah and, and and it's one of the things that I have to, even as a person who has found success, I've got to monitor how I use social media because it sucks me in. Even though I might see my friends or people I know out there and I know their whole story, right? But I see their social media persona and I know that I personally have to remove myself or retreat from it in exchange for personal connection. And I remember being in college and they were telling us that a time was coming where people wouldn't walk up with their heads held high anymore. They'd have their heads down. And I was like, that's never going to happen. I graduated from college (laughs) in 1999. So we're talking about 1994, 1995, where they were saying that people always have their hair down and said, how are we walking around? Exactly. With our heads down. (laughs) With our heads and phones. like you know, not even watching where we're going. Our heads are in phones because these are computers that we hold in our hands that have more of our attention than people do. And so I'm trying to be extremely mindful about that in my own life, about putting the phone down, putting the social media down and just exchanging that for real human connection. 
yeah, it's so powerful. And and you're right, we can get lost in it so easily. So all right, let's let's go back yes. to you. There's so much to learn from it. There's so much funny stuff there. (laughs) One of the things I did challenge myself to do was to not keep up with any of my friends on social media. Mm, So if a friend calls me and said, Hey, did you see my post? No, I didn't. I didn't. How are you doing? Did you see what I said about what happened to me? No, I didn't. I got to call you. So it makes me pick up the phone and call and hear the voices of my really close friends. I don't keep up with them at all on social media. That's great advice. I love that. I love that because I I often am like, oh man, if I could just chat with someone rather than picking up the phone and calling and I'm like, oh no, that's just that's not the good way to do this because you know, we need that human connection and you know, I named the show everyone's talking money because I really wanted to create a space where people felt like they could talk about tough subjects and where they could hear other people mm-hmm. talk about tough subjects and money is is certainly one of those those things. So when you you know you're you're starting your business and you're in this this debt, you know what are what are some of the tricks you used? Um maybe not even tricks, just what are some of the things that you did to to get rid of that debt and how how did it feel on the other side? Yeah. So I surrounded myself with people who were smarter than me. That's that is the way I moved the needle in my whole life was to surround myself with people who had been through what I was trying to accomplish, people who had done what I was trying to do. And I started asking questions and enlisting help. I did a lot of writing letters to credit bureaus and it into um, credit providers to talk about what I actually owed and what those balances were to try to make deals for things. Um, and a lot of erroneous things being removed from my credit, but also cash stuffing. So cash stuffing and envelope envelopes was my first real obstacle that I had to get over. Cause when I was in a situation, like I was into the beginning, you couldn't even have money in a bank account for fear of having an overdraft fee and one overdraft fee could have thrown me into a tailspin, which it did in many occasions where if you are one penny off, garners you a $35 overdraft fee that you needed, you needed all $34.99 that, you know, that, that you could simply just change the way you paid the debt and offered me an opportunity to keep my dignity intact. So I learned to keep my money out of the bank when I was in real dire situations and start envelope stuffing so that I could put money in places and tell it where I needed it to go. And then being very strategic about telling my money what I wanted my money to do. And that being allotting it or earmarking it for different things and hiding it around the house so that nobody else knew that I had it and couldn't take it from me because that was one of the challenges that I had in the beginning. I remember the day that I paid off my student loans. I remember the day I got the letter from Sally Mae saying that I didn't have, that was the final debt that I had to pay. I remember it feeling like, wow, I actually did it. I remember feeling like crying and screaming 
and laughing, something I'm known to do all at the same time. And I remember it feeling like a new day, a new opportunity for me and my children for what we were going to be able to do now. I remember when I moved them into a townhouse that was brand new, that no one else had lived in before. And I remember feeling confident that I was going to get approved for it because I could afford to have it. I remember being able to do things like buy my dream car. I've been dreaming about this car for 10 or 15 years before I finally got it. But I got it when I could afford to keep it, care for it, put insurance on it, you know, do the repairs on it. All of those things made me feel like finally I was an example that my children could be proud of and someone that I could lead them into what the next leg of our legacy. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is 
always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. All right, Mignon, we're ready to play Your Relationship with Money is Game. So first question, if you were to describe your relationship with money as a cartoon character, who would it be? That's easy. It would be Miss Piggy. First of all, Miss Piggy is very fabulous. And I don't feel like of all the things, she was always greedy for more. So my relationship with money is that there was never enough. But that didn't stop me from wanting to be me in all of my grandeur. And, you know, she's like, for moi, you know, <laughs> I, I was, I've always been a fan of Miss Piggy. And so I I would say that she was always using more than she had available to her as well. And so I think my relationship with money might look a lot like Miss Piggy. (laughs) That's great. I love it. All right. Question number two. How many times a day would you say you think about money? Ooh. So they say that we have like like 30 or 40,000 thoughts a day. And we just don't realize it. So I would imagine that my thoughts about money are somewhere up there around (laughs) 20,000. 
Because not only am I concerned about my money, I'm concerned about my children's money. I'm concerned about the money of the team that's working with me and what they're doing with their money and how they can utilize their money better. And how can I invest my money into the next thing that I want to be a part of? All right. So question number three, if you had unlimited funds, where would be the first place you'd spend your money? And it could be anything. There's a little school up in North Nashville called F.H. Jenkins. It's been around for like 125, 130 years. It's the only African-American private school in Middle Tennessee. I would buy them a new school building. I they are they're always full to capacity, which is a small number, like 60 students they can have at a time. And I would want the city of Nashville to know about how many political figures have come out of this school, how many, how much this little tiny school has to offer. And it's the place where my little grandchildren have all started their matriculation into education. And so I would I would have them a new school by the time my next one goes into kindergarten. <laughs> All right. Last question. Tell me a money mistake you've made that you wish you could get a do-over for. Ooh, a money mistake that I've made that I wish I could get a do-over for was getting into debt and, you know, living, living above my means. I've learned to live within my means because living below my means allows me to give. I just love being able to be generous and it's it's allowed me to be generous not only to my children but to the people who work on my team to people who I don't even know I get to have a scholarship in my name at the university that's up the road for me and I just want to be able to do more more than that so I think a money mistake I made that I wish I had known better was living living above my means and getting into debt to keep stuff. People matter more than things. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, Host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. 
With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. So where was the tipping point? Like, where was the point when you were making cupcakes, you were selling cupcakes? Like, when did you think, okay, like, I have something here. This this could be the the path to financial freedom. The very first large order that I got was my neighbor knocking on the door. I was sitting in the house with no electricity. And I was, I realized I only had $5 left to my name. And I hadn't allotted any money for food for our family to eat for the week. When she knocked on the door and asked me, could she buy cupcakes? And she saw the perplexity in my face and says, listen, when you make some, I'll pay you some. And so I was running my house on a generator at the time. And so I would sit in the dark in the daytime so that I could save up the gas in the generator so my children could have normalcy when they came home from school. And I took her up on this offer knowing that I only had $5. So if she didn't pay me like she says she was, we weren't going to eat. And so I I accepted her order. This was going to be for 600 cupcakes. And since I didn't have to give them all to her at one time, I didn't have to have all the money for all the ingredients either. So I took the $5 that I had. I walked to the grocery store up the block for me. And I bought everything I could buy with that $5 and I turned it into 60 that day. And I turned that 60 into 600 by the end of the week. And it's been that same money that I've been flipping for the last 17 years. Because my store has been open for 15, but it took me two years working every day like it was a business before my store ever even opened. And so that's when I knew that I had something. When I turned my situation around within a matter of days. It all of a sudden went from not being able to have electricity and lights to paying for the electricity. It went from losing that house where the cupcake collection exists today. On the day that I opened that store, November the 9th, 2008, my home was up for foreclosure sale. And I knew that I was going to lose it in December. But I believed that if God was who he says he is, he could do what he says he can do. So I opened the store, even though I knew I wasn't going to have a home in less than 30 days. And I still have that house today. 
And I've been able to (laughs) set up a will, write a trust for my grandchildren to own that house. Yeah. So you've been able to like create generational wealth all from that, that $5. I think that's so impactful because we can a lot of times think that it's going to take a lot of money for us to create a lot more money. And it can start from something very, very small and just expand out. And I think that's, it's so important to, um, to think about that often because we're, we're so limiting in our thoughts around money. We are our worst (laughs) enemies and it's so easy to tell ourselves that it's not possible. And I think society and media and, and everything we watch wants us to believe that everything is very scarce, that we will never have enough. There will never be enough we're not enough, all of those those messages around money. And so it's very easy to just, you know, want to turn into a hermit crap and kind of hide from everything and and not take those risks and ha- have the courage to step out and say, well, let me try something. You know, it, it could work, it could not work. So uh, tell me about your your cupcakes specifically, because I I'm I love cupcakes. And I would imagine that these have to be some like pretty amazing cupcakes. So like, do you have a specialty? Like, how did you, you are you, are you known for, for a certain thing? Are you the the icing queen or the cake queen or? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are known for, to be the home of the sweet potato cupcake. So if you ever meet another sweet potato cupcake, it wants to be this one. So we have this thing that we do in our store. There are billboards around town that beckon people to come in and take the sweet potato challenge. Because usually when you hear cupcake, you don't think sweet potato. And so our flavors should speak to my New Orleans heritage. They should speak all the way back to where I'm from. And so we have people take the sweet potato challenge. And all we want to do is get their natural reaction on camera to tasting it. And we're hoping that their reaction will be that it's so yam good. And so that's what we're known for. We're known for these for these really rich flavors, everything made from scratch. Hence why I named my new book Made From Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe. Because all of the things that we use are very simple ingredients, things that you have readily occurring in your house, like flour, butter, sugar, and eggs. I love that. The yam challenge. I actually have never tasted a um, sweet potato cupcake before in my life, but I, I love sweet potatoes. So I'm, yeah. like, I'm imagining yeah. the the combination. Is it? Does it have like cream cheese frosting? Is that the? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, uh-huh. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, it should put you in the mind of a carrot cake or a spice cake, but it's not either one. So it's someplace in between. But I grew up as a child who loved spice cake. I grew up as a child who loved carrot cake. And so for people who don't like the texture of those kinds of things, having um, vegetables or fruits, the great thing about sweet potato is it's it's that spice without the texture that some people don't like to experience when they're eating cake. So you you started with these with these flavors and how how have you. I guess the question really is like, what is the next sort of direction for your business? Like, where do you go from from this point? Because you've created like such a successful, successful business and really just like turned everything around financially for your family. Where do you go from here? 
So we're wanting to show other people what they can do if only they believe. We want to be a lighthouse in the communities where we exist to show them what could happen if only only you believe. And so we're moving the Cupcake Collection across the country, especially in areas where we have been his- historically enslaved. So my father was born on a sugarcane plantation. And our understanding of enslavement of our people was that that ended in the mid-1800s. My parents weren't born to the mid-1900s. And so my father was born on a sugarcane plantation. And to know now that we are leaving a legacy and building a business in the very industry that my grandparents weren't allowed to have free enterprise is not lost on me. And so I want to be able to have other locations in places where we've been historically enslaved so that we have an opportunity to redeem the time. And so one of my first um, locations that we created was in New Orleans, which was where the hub for the enslavement of my people be, you know, sort of exists. The, the largest hub for it in the world is right in the city where I'm from. And so having this business be successful in this industry means everything, not only to me, but to my, to my past and also to my future. I think that's, I think that's so amazing that you're able to, to use your business to, you know, have these locations and to really serve your community in the way that you have. And I I think it's really easy for a lot of times when we're talking about money to kind of glaze over the history of what's happened here in this country and to say, well, you know, all you need to do is X, Y, and Z, and you can better your, your money situation. But there's, there's a lot of generational money trauma. There's a lot of wounds that have existed in this country that it would be very unfair to just kind of gloss over and say that getting ahead, that creating generational wealth, you know, all of these things that it's just so easy and accessible to to everyone. I think it's important to to talk about what has happened in our in our history. Right. We feel so uncomfortable with doing that. And the difference for me is that this is not only my family history, this is also my cultural history. And I just have this wonderful opportunity to be able to go back and say, I had something in my house that I could use. And it's not lost on me that it's not easy for everybody to bootstrap what they have. But what I am saying is that everybody does have something they can use. So tell me a little bit about, about your book. I know you chronicle a lot of your story in your book. But what do you really want somebody who who picks up a copy of this book? What do you want them to to walk away, you know, knowing or feeling? Or is there is there a chapter in the book that just like really like this is my favorite chapter? Like if you don't read anything else in the book, you've got to read this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so many places. I don't if if you don't read anything else, maybe you just got to at least read the first and the last chapter. Um so that you can know where I started and where we ended, where we ended up. But this is not the end because we're only continuing to grow. Um, I would say there's, oh my gosh, that's such a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> oh, What I do want people to take away from it, though, is that there are no mistakes. Every stupid thing I ever had to do was taking me from where I was to where I wanted to be. That the things that happened in my life didn't happen to me, they were for me. 
So if you do pick up the book and read it, I want you to know, don't look at me as a victim. I'm a victor. I don't take the situations in my life and and cry out and need someone to cry out for me. I am a victor in the situation, even though looking at the story, you will find very heavy pieces of my story that I never told before I wrote this book. And there are a lot of things that I left on the cutting floor as well, because it was just like, what is, how is this going to benefit anybody? What is the profit of this to know this part of my story? So there's a lot of stuff that never even made it into the book. But I was very strategic about what parts of my story I was willing to share. And some things I even went to my children to get them, get their permission to find out if they were okay with me sharing parts of the story, because it's not just my story. It's their story too. It's our story. I just happened to be the one that was writing it from my point of view. So that's what I want people to know. There are no mistakes. Everything was necessary. And without the things that happened, I wouldn't be right here today where I am right now. I wonder, too, if there were any sort of surprising money lessons that that maybe you weren't prepared for along the way when you were when you were building your business. So obviously you you overcame the debt that you were in and, um, you know, really changed the situation. But when you were particularly in there just operating their your business, were there any like ahas about money where you thought, oh my gosh, like I wish I would have known this ahead of time? Yeah. I wished I would have known that the more money you make, the more you spend. Uh, I wish I would have known what what having a business of this magnitude really required financially because the 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 tax debt that's connected to it, you know, and those kinds of things. I wasn't ready to to see the kind of requirements that would be placed on me once I got to this level. Um, but more than anything, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't give it back. I'd rather do that. But I think once you find success, the biggest thing for me was looking back and seeing how easy it actually was. Like no matter what I had to do to get to where I am, whatever that was, it was worth it. Whatever I had to put aside, whatever had to wait, whatever it took for me to get from where I was to where I wanted to be, it was worth it. And when I look back on my life and see now what I'm able to do, once you break that glass ceiling, it's easy to keep on soaring. It's easy to look back and say, hey, come with me. Come alongside of me and do this too. I'll hold your hand, but you can't take the scales or the blinders off for somebody who hasn't done it yet. They've got to see it for themselves in order to do it. Wow. That's just, that's so, it just, really warms my soul to to hear you talk about talk about your journey and talk about you know what you want for for everyone listening to really to really i don't know feel from this conversation we've talked about so many different things you've inspired us along the way if if we're listening and you know we're feeling like that that fire burning inside of us like okay all right i can do this like i, I can do this what do you what do you want us to leave us with like what message do you want us to remember from this conversation I want them to remember that the voice on the inside of their head that's telling them they can't is the one that's lying to them. I want them to know that 
just because you see somebody else having or doing the thing you want to have or do is the indication that you can too. That there's room for cupcakes. There's a chapter, there's a chapter in my story called There's Room for Cupcakes. And my five-year-old encouraged me. I remember working really hard to get my store open. It almost been two years I've been working at it. And another cupcake shop just popped up out of the blue. And it was just like, wait a minute, there were there were no cupcake places in Nashville. God, why <laughs> is this happening? And my five-year-old who just left out this morning to go to drill. He's 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 in the Army Reserve. You know, he's a sergeant in the Army Reserve now. And he said, Mommy, there's room for cupcakes. And essentially what he was saying to me in his five-year-old way was, if you were the only cupcake store in the city, Mom, you wouldn't be able to serve everybody. So there's room for somebody to be doing exactly what you're doing. They're not going to do it the same way that you're doing it. And just because they were first at doing it doesn't mean that they'll be the best at doing it. And here we are now, 17 years later after that time, and I'm the last cupcake standing. While all those other cupcake places have gone on, I'm still here. And so it goes to, it just goes to show that just because you see somebody else doing it doesn't mean it's your indication that you should stop or not continue to try to make it to that thing that you've already been told that you should be doing. Wow. I hope <laughs> that you really enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I think the biggest money lesson that I take away from Yon is you have the power to change your money situation right now. And there's, there's three things that I think really embody Mignon's story. One is you decide to think something different about your money situation. Number two, you look at what you have right now and what can you do with what you have. And number three, most importantly, you take a step forward, even if you're scared, even if you're shaking and you're wobbling and you're full of doubt, just like Mignon, right? She took that last $5, I can't even imagine the decision process behind that and made cupcakes with it. And I guess you could say the rest is history. But her story, I, I believe it can be all of our stories. If you want to learn more from Mignon, you could pick up her book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe. Everywhere books are sold, I will link it in the show notes as well. You can also head to the show notes for everything that I mentioned in this episode, as well as our sponsors who make the show possible. Thank you for heading over there and giving them love. They are what keeps the lights on, my friend, and keeps me coming back. I will see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. <music> 